Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Hour number two of our broadcast. Welcome back, and thank you very much for being with us. Sprint Beard, next segment from First Coast News. Talking SEC. Right now, let's talk Georgia Bulldogs. Basketball, baseball, and football. Jeff Danzler is with the Georgia Bulldogs Radio Network. You heard him this past weekend on the Superstations in Macon and in Savannah. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Danzler TV. Talk a little Bulldog athletics with us. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you, sir? Bill, happy birthday, my friend. You're Thank still you. looking 29. <laughs> I'm like I'm like uh, Jack. I've now become Jack Benny. I'm going to be 39 and keep it there no matter what. Amen, my friend. Of course, nobody knows a... who nobody knows except for us who the hell Jack Benny is. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you're having a great birthday, and it's always great to be on with you. Well, thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate that. All right, this offense for the dogs on the baseball team. Let's talk about them first. It keeps on rolling. 10.4 runs per game. Charlie Condon. 5-17 batting average, seven home runs, 32 RBIs, and 60 at-bats. Connor Tate, 62 at-bats, 5-16 batting average, six home runs, 22 RBI. I mean, this offense is fun to watch right now, isn't it, Jeff? It, it really is. They're going good. And, and, in fact, Charlie was the SEC Player of the Week last week, and Connor Tate was the SEC Player of the Week for the week that just concluded, which is terrific. So, those two guys are the sluggers and, you know, off to a, a Beckham and uh, Poitras-type start for us there. It's a deep lineup, one through nine. So, this team's been a lot of fun to watch. No question. No question about that. And so, they play Wofford tomorrow and then uh, host South Carolina to start SEC play this weekend, Jeff. And, look, um, they're all to a great start. We know that. But SEC is so tough. Uh, where, where do you think they're going to stand just from what you've seen so far of them and what you've seen from afar watching the other teams in the conference? You know, that's the thing which gets back to what we talked about last time, just find your way into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. If you're the, you're the eighth best team in the league, that's really good. And I'll just go back to last year. Ole Miss went 14-16 and 16 in the SEC and won the national championship. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I'll uh, look at the when the rankings come out across the country today. There, there are six different polls in college baseball. I'll go through them again before the game tomorrow. But by my estimation, I think we'll have 11 teams in the top 25. We had 10 in last week. So it, it's just incredible that the, the power and the talent and the strength is is otherworldly. And you know the, the, the way they set up the brackets where you can get some SEC on SEC and some super regionals there. One day, I remember back in 2004, we got four teams in Omaha, and we were one of them. And there were two teams that lost in Super Regionals. I think the NCAA kind of felt like, oh, my gosh, we almost just had us another SEC tournament here. So <laughs> it will be impossible to get probably six or seven in, but I wouldn't be surprised if we got four in again. Well, it's something to watch, and I can't wait to see some of the, some of the conference games and, and see how they do for sure. So, Again, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday against South Carolina from Foley Field. 6 o'clock on Friday, 2 on Saturday, and 3 o'clock on Sunday as well. And you can catch it here on the Superstations in Macon and, and in Savannah. All right, I, I want to get your thoughts on the Georgia women now. They play in the Seattle Regional. Are you going to be in Iowa City, Iowa on, uh, on Friday? Most likely. Uh, I'll give you a, a quick glimpse behind the curtain. 
What I am hoping to do is to get the call to basketball remotely so I could be at Foley Field this weekend where it's not going to be 19 degrees at night. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I got a feeling I'm going to get told no on that. So <laughs> I'll uh, I'll be calling the Hoops game. And then uh, for baseball Friday night, I'll, uh, I'll do the color with Dave sitting in my hotel room. So <laughs> I did that for a couple last year. It's that time of year. But yeah, Coach Abe did a good job with this team to get into the tournament. And, you know, going up to Iowa City, it's uh, we were in Iowa State last year, so I'm, I'm spending a lot of time in Iowa, my friend. Are you running for president? Do we need to make an announcement or something? <laughs> the caucus, the caucus said <laughs> that we're something there, but no, it's it's it, it, it's been such a great run here, and uh, obviously, by the way, it was uh, uh, nine weeks ago today uh, Georgia won a second straight national championship by a score of sixty-five to seven. But Absolutely. Uh, we, we we talked about the other sports. Uh, both tennis teams are now 4-0 in SEC play. And at the NCAA indoor track meet, uh, the women finished fifth and the men finished second this past weekend. That's so awesome. It's really going great. And a couple other sports, I know we mentioned this, but for the first time ever in the fall, we had both our volleyball and soccer teams make the NCAA tournament. It was the first time they had both made it the same year. And not only that, they both won an NCAA event as well, a game-slash-match and for, for for several years, kind of volleyball, soccer, and track were kind of you know holding us back a little bit in the all sports competition. Mm-hmm. But that that's an area. I mean, what what Josh Brooks has has done there, and the, the coaches that he's brought in. I mean, it is really terrific. So having those sports going good, and you know, the tennises, the swimmings, and the golfs are always going to be strong. Oh, absolutely, no doubt about that. Well, and then tomorrow. That uh, that little team that's won two straight national championships will be back on the field for the start of spring football. They're going to have the pro day on Wednesday, and um, they just announced that ESPN2 will televise the G-Day game on, on April 15th. So, obviously, let, let, let's just start with the quarterback situation, right? That's what everybody is going to be, going to be thinking about. Um, I, I think you said a couple of weeks ago, I think you, it was you, said, you know, look uh, – Carson Beck has this uh, advantage to where you, you almost think it's his to lose. Did you say that? Or I, I have so many Georgia guests on. But, I mean, <laughs> how, how do you really look at this competition between these three, and what do you think about it? I, I think Beck would be the front runner just because of the experience that he got last year. And you could tell he was really improved from 2021 to 2022. And he also showed the ability to run a bit more than I thought he could. But I, I think Kirby's goal getting to, to the spring, probably his top goal after winning the national championship, was to get all three of those quarterbacks to spring practice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you never know what could happen afterwards. Could one of them jump in the portal? Well, sure. But the fact that he got them all three to the spring, and it's going to be a wide-open competition, and you know, there, there, there are all kinds of connections. Of course, Mike Bobo's dad was Gunnar Stockton's mm-hmm. kind of QB coach growing up, and you know, Brock Vandegrift, the local kid, has now got two years in the system. So I think all three are really, really good and really, really talented. And, and it's just terrific that they've all been here. And, and for ESPN2 to carry, you, know, you got a couple things, obviously, the, the back-to-back reigning national champion. And also, I mean, this, this is one of the positions, I would think, in all of college football that everybody's going to be keeping an eye on. Because when, when you think about the national contenders out there, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State are all going to be breaking in new quarterbacks this year. And and I I will tell you this, but I've watched football my whole life. 
one of my first ever memories was a 78 Tech game. In fact, we had an assistant AD a few years ago come and go, hey, how long have you been with us? I guess it's a 78 Tech game. Hmm. But uh, um, the, uh, I, I know this, you better trust your quarterback and your kicker. Mm-hmm. And we, we had two exceptional players there in Stetson Bennett and Jack Pod Lesney. Uh, it, it's crazy they're both walk-ons. Hmm. So, uh, you know, can you trust your quarterback the, the way we trusted Stetson? And then is that place kicker going to be it? Now, you know, you're not going to have necessarily Kevin Butler or John Casey or Rex Robinson. Right. But can you make everything? What you need is everything from 40 in. It's got to be a given to me. Yeah. You start getting a, a, over that, then you're, you know, you're playing with some house money. And, and that's where Jack started off so good for us, is that he was just like, all right, on the short ones, boom, he's money. You know, you want to get the touchdown, but, but if, if you don't, you know, you at least got to get three. And then he showed he could really extend. So, uh, to me, that, that's the other big competition there. But th- this defense j- just has a chance, I think, to be so good that it, it, it's going to give you know Kirby the, the, the opportunity to, to to give those two positions some leeway in the spring. And you want to be as good as you possibly can every time out. But you know, if this defense is rivaling the twenty-one defense, which it potentially could, yeah, you know, who knows? You still have to do it. You know, it might be in a situation where most games, you know, just getting in the 20s is going to be enough to win. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any doubt about it, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Dancer, our our guest here for the Georgia Bulldogs Radio Network. You know, the the confidence that Coach Smart had in Stetson Bennett. I mean, that that obviously developed over time. You can go back to the Oklahoma practices, right, before the Rose Bowl and how – uh, Stetson was trying to, to act like Baker Mayfield and how they were talking about him then of how much he was helping. So that was a multi-year process that allowed Kirby Smart, particularly from from uh, you know the 2021 season, start to really fall in place. How long do you think this kind of competition, how long will it take for – that kind of confidence to to be with Kirby for one of these guys is it is it I mean could it take half the season is, is and like you say do we have a t- time to let them kind of play around with that because of this defense and let them figure this out in time and it doesn't have to be necessarily on September the third does it I, I think you're right Bill and and I, if you're really talking about trusting somebody you know it might take half a season or so and that's uh, you know, to, to get into again how upset we all were when the SEC made us pull out of that Oklahoma game because you, know, you need a big game like that early for a multitude of reasons. You're talking about getting focused and also just getting battle-tested going into conference play. So I, I think you're right. You might be talking the midpoint of the season. And I, I think something else, I'm, I'm just guessing here, when spring practice is done, I don't think you're going to have a starter. You, you might have first team on the depth chart, but I would imagine – unless somebody just goes out and absolutely is head and shoulders above, I would imagine he's going to want that competition continuing in, in the preseason camp. I know there's always competition, but at the same time, quarterback's a different animal because they've, you know, you're getting everybody in, in the plays and, and you need to have the whole team in sync. So you really need to know who that number one guy is. And, and, and I would imagine what he would love to see is all three of them play great uh, you have a front runner, you have a number one, but I I would bet it'll probably be August before we actually name the starter. And if you were in charge, wouldn't you want to watch how they perform on and off the field in the summer months as well? Yes, hundred percent. 
I just think that could be something that, uh, you know, we, we know last year after it was Stetson jo- Stetson's job how he got even more confident and in, in conjunction, cohesive with the, the wide receivers, with AD and the rest of them. And I think that would be something I would – I would want to watch as well. Do we need to see a, a, a number one running back out of spring practice, or, or are, are we still? Do you think okay with all right? Whoever's the hottest is going to get the carries, and that's been established for a while now. I think with Mike taking over the offense, you might get a little bit more of a look where there's a chance that a guy could get twenty or twenty-five carries. And mm-hmm. hey, I'm, I'm the president of tailback. You man, I'm a tailback guy. I still think it's the ultimate difference-making position, and obviously, uh, Bill, our age, everybody knows what we grew up with at that position at Georgia, yep. and I, I, I would not be surprised to have that hot hand uh, kind of be the main focus, because there, there were some times, and again, here's the thing with an offensive coordinator, they call 70 plays, what are the three that you remember, you know, the, the three that didn't work, <laughs> we're obviously incredibly grateful for Todd Munkin and everything he did. But there were times, like in the Kentucky game, Kenny McIntosh is absolutely gashing them. Uh, and before they stop us on third and fourth down into the third start of the fourth quarter, he's not in the game. Yeah. And that's one to me, like, listen, I, I'm not a coach, obviously. I do know the game. Kentucky was glad he was not in the game. But that was just kind of one of my, I, I guess if you had a small bone to pick sometimes, was if you've got that guy at running back, and McIntosh was clearly the best back that day you, know, you, you got to at least have him in the game and that's something that i would expect to see a little bit more out of mike so let's say branson robinson wins the job and he's the number one maybe so out of robinson milton and edwards maybe instead of all three of them getting between 10 and 15 carries you know maybe one of them gets 20 or 25 mm-hmm. but one one of the things where kirby has been so good and this is this takes you back he's got some Eric russell in him in many ways You've got to run the football to win. And, by the way, I love it that we've been the contrarian football team for much of the last two years, that we've brought the run game and defense back into vogue. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that Kirby has talked about is finding creative ways to run the ball because th- th- there is so much size in the SEC, in college football across the board, that teams, you know, sometimes there's just not enough room. If you're talking about five 300-pound offensive linemen, three or four 300-pound defensive linemen, 240-pound linebackers slamming safeties in, and, and a lot of I think about the Missouri game last year in the first half, they were just absolutely selling out, doing everything they could to stop the run. So Kirby has been great about finding creative ways to run the football, and that means pitching it to Brock Bowers, mm-hmm. pitching it to Lad McConkey, because you have to be able to run the ball. And, and again, that was kind of the the roots of the the old ham bone flex bone offense with the great Eric Russell. He said, I want to run the football, but I want to do it in a, in a two minute drill type way. Mm-hmm. And that's where Paul Johnson came up with that offense with Tracy Ham. So I, I think with Kirby, it's, it's finding creative ways to, to run the football. And another thing you saw out of him, you know, he obviously let Todd Munkin do his thing, but there were also times like before the TCU game, well, I think we all noticed this. Bowers wasn't getting the ball enough against Ohio State, and Kirby Smart made it a point to get the best player in the country involved. And it was one of those, like, he's going to touch the ball five times in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do think you might see more of that lead dog at running back. And then also, just that's the other thing Kirby's done. You, know, you look at the big games, 
you got to have your guys be guys, and we're going to do everything we can to continue to to get the football in the hands of the of the top players, and that you know starts with Bowers and McConkey and those backs. Finishing up with Jeff Danzler here, and Jeff, obviously, the last couple of years we've had some great tackles on this team with Andrew Thomas and uh, Jamari Sawyer, who's already making a difference in the NFL. We we know that that Broderick Jones is perhaps going to be a top ten draft pick here next month and now it sounds like Ernest Green is going to get that opportunity at left tackle and boy there's a lot of positive coming out uh, of, of what kind of potential this young man has isn't there and is, no, and is he healthy no, that's the question right no doubt and that that is the position that worries me some because not this recruiting class but the one before that Green came in mm-hmm. was Georgia's weakest offensive line class since Kirby's been here mm-hmm. and this is kind of you're, you're kind of getting to to the the last remnants of of uh, Matt Luke's holdovers here, and Stacy Searles is a heck of a good coach, and we put together a really good O line class this year. But you know, you, you start kind of peeking ahead after this season, and th- that's a spot where Georgia really needs to to get that depth rebuilt. And obviously, Kirby's focusing on that big time. But yeah, it, it tackle. It looks like Green is going to be the guy there if he's healthy, and I think they want to keep Mims at right tackle. But you're but back to your point. I mean, you're talking about going back to Isaiah Wynn, Andrew Thomas. Mm-hmm. You know what 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 Salyer was able to do, and then you know when Georgia made the move in the national title game two years ago, moving Salyer inside and, and Broderick Jones to left tackle, and you've had Warren McClendon. He came in in the middle of that Arkansas game in 2020 mm-hmm. and just very quietly had a phenomenal career here. Started every game, graded out excellently every single game that he played. So those those are the other big shoes to, to fill on the offensive side. And, and and no doubt, I think Green's development there is key. And we got to find another tackle. You know, c- could that be Micah Morris? I know the, the, the offensive tackle, uh, Monroe, is it Freeling? Is that the last mm-hmm. name? For, yeah. Yeah, from South Carolina. He yep. enrolled early. Um, but that's that's going to be another spot. You need Green to be a guy, Mims to keep on coming, and we need to find at least one more. Well, and Freeling is interesting because he was, uh, I think, by one of the services a- a- after everything was over, the top-rated tackle uh, on the board. And I-, I think some fans at least have wondered, all right, after Mims leaves next year, could Freeling be on that other side? And you have Green and Freeling who are two very – very good prospects, which again, he'll, this is the year he'll be developed with with Mims in place and and Green. It looks like in position to take over that spot. Either way, the depth that at times in the past we worried about is is still there. I mean that 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 depth is there. That's been there the last two years and has helped this team win two straight national championships. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And that was, I think, the big area when Kirby got here. The two areas where we needed to get a lot better quickly, it was the offensive line and special teams. Mm-hmm. I don't think any Georgia fan could possibly argue anything other than that. And and so that was instantly the top priority. And Georgia's hitting the you – know, you know, Kirby is all – he is a master at roster management. Yeah. And, yeah, just to, to have that depth on the O-line, that's why this class – you know, signed four offensive linemen coming in for this year was very important. And next year's class is going to be, I, I think, has a chance to be all-timer great. And, and that certainly starts with getting some guys up front. But I mean, you look at the, the defensive classes that we're stacking up now, Bill. It's, oh, it's ridiculous. It's pretty – I mean, I was going through in my head just the other day, 
at thinking about what what the two deep is going to look like, not including any of the freshmen. Yeah. And I mean, you're, now you throw the freshmen in there who might play some. You're talking about on a, on a front seven. You know, you're talking about 25, 26 guys oh, yeah. who are really good or are really, really highly rated coming in. They're, they're, yeah, that's why incredible. I didn't ask you one, one question about the defense for spring practice. I have no worries about the defense in spring practice for this team. None. I mean, I, and, I wish I could find saying, one. I don't, though. Do you? Well, no, it's, it's going to be, yeah, do they continue to play hard? Do guys develop? But we've sure. seen the signs of it. It's like, yeah, I, we lose Jalen Carter. Yeah, he, he's going to be a, potentially a top five pick. But, you know, you got Barry Alexander. You got Michael Williams up right. front there. Chris Smith's an All American, but you got Starks right. and Bullard. Right. back there you know so keely ringo's the first room we'd like to have another corner sure but kirby brought in three four and five star cornerbacks yeah. last year and brought in two or three more in this class right. so you just you, you look top to bottom yeah and you know we lost nolan smith and, and, and i thought with nolan when he went down i thought you know we we're still good enough where i think we can get we'll get to the playoffs but I thought, you know, that injury might be what cost us the whole thing. Yeah. And we win the whole thing w- without him. So you're talking about you're going to have three first-round picks and a first-team All-American free safety gone who made some of the biggest plays in Georgia history. And this defense could be better. Yeah. And I'm not being smug by saying no. that I, I'm not worried about any spot. But, I mean, you, I don't even think someone who knows these players and does it look through red and black glasses like you and I do to a certain extent would have a hard time saying that there is any spot on that football field on the defensive side that is a quote-unquote concern. There may be questions about, all right, who's going to play here? Who's going to play that other spot that Robert Bill was in? Who, you know, who's going to step up on the other side of Marvin Jones or whatever? But my God, the candidates and options are endless with this team, which, again, is the difference of what Kirby Smart has built and what used to be in place. I mean, but I, I mean I'm looking at the depth chart right now. This is a depth chart because it's deep as hell. <laughs> yeah. It's not just a roster, right? It's a depth chart. It is a depth chart. And you're right. There's so many candidates there. You've got the competition. You've got the leadership. You've got the young guys coming up. And we're at the point now, and, Bill, I think we talked about this when you start getting to that dynasty level, when Bama went next level was six or seven years in, when you get that second cycle of recruits in, basically the second group of guys who've been there three and four years, and that system's been put in, and it is integrated, and the players are passing it down. And, and that's what you're seeing with this Georgia team and, and, and the depth of talent there. And, and, and you throw in that Georgia's getting contributions from all four classes. Hey, you want to throw in the, the, the graduate guys with the COVID year? You can say five or six classes yeah. right there. And that, that's so big. But so I think about this. You know, you got Bear Alexander, Michael Williams are five stars. We play like five stars. The other big thing, too, how about getting Zion Logue and Nazir Stackhouse Absolutely. back? You know, Absolutely. these guys are like 23 and 22 yeah. years old, fourth and fifth year guys. I mean, they're basically NFL defensive linemen right now. You know, they'll yeah. probably be fourth-round picks and not a first-round pick. But just getting guys like that back, I mean, those are grown men. Well, Waltower started 13 games, Stackhouse 15, and then you've got Logue who played in 14 and Brinson, Warren Brinson played in 15. Those are four – well, I shouldn't leave out Tyron Ingram Dawkins. He played in 14 games. I mean, those are five players right there where we didn't mention Mikel Williams, we didn't mention Barry Alexander – or C.J. Madden or Jordan Hall, the true freshman, 
that have just experience that you can have on the field and feel confident about that. And I, it's ridiculous. It, it is. Well, it's unbelievable. The other thing, too, just the reason number 8,000 margin of victory matters <laughs> and just the number of blowout wins that George has posted the last two years is the, the experience, the game snaps these guys are getting. Yeah. It's so incredibly valuable. Absolutely. No doubt about it. It's, it's so, so good of how he not only manages the roster and the roster construction, but also handles these guys and gets them ready for more competition and, and uh, a great role for sure. Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, if you have to go out to Iowa City, uh, be careful. Last time I was there was the NIT Final Four, uh, the NIT first round, and Ron Jersey's first year in the low oh. one night was either one or two when the river froze. So, oh, my gosh. Oh, my Lord. Ron yeah. Jersey, that, that, that about ruined me with Georgia basketball right there is Ron Jersey. <laughs> so that was my last trip to Iowa City. So oh, we'll wow. Let, we'll let you know how it goes. Okay. Jeff, thank you as always. Thanks we appreciate it. Back. All right, take care. Jeff Dantzler, the Georgia Bulldogs Radio Network. Next, Brent Beard talks SEC football right after this. 429, our time. Thank you very much for being with us. Let's talk with Mr. Brent Beard from First Coast News in Jacksonville. Those of you in Waycross, Blackshire, and Brunswick can see him on television on First Coast News, co-anchoring with Jeannie Blaylock and uh, Tim Deegan doing the weather. And uh, we always love watching you on television when we're down there. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing well. First of all, happy birthday. Thank you, sir. The uh, the beer boys love you dearly. Appreciate so it. We hope it's Back at a, you. Hope it's been a good day. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of, of First Coast News and television, uh, you, I'm, I'm sure you probably are, and I'll just mention this without getting any detail, but... Are you aware that that uh, Donna Deegan, uh, who used to be our anchor, is running for mayor? Yeah, I heard that. How about that? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. Tim has to leave the newsroom whenever they're talking about her, which is probably interesting. <laughs> hey, Bill, is that like uh, members of the committee uh, uh, having to leave when their basketball team yeah. is being discussed? Yeah, and the bad thing is, if she loses, Dan will say that it's because she changed her name. But that's an inside <laughs> joke. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. So, uh, Russ and I were just talking about this Florida quarterback. Yes. Anthony Richardson. Now, uh, the rumor is that Carolina made the move with Chicago mm-hmm. so that they can possibly get up and their draft Anthony Richardson at 1-1, which would be unbelievable if that happens. Are you buying that? And can Frank Reich fix him? Bill, I, I'm, I've been very clear about this. I, I hope, look, I hope he succeeds, but I just don't see it yet. Um, now, I was very skeptical of Jalen Hurts making it in the NFL, too, but I would say Jalen Hurts, his last year in Alabama and Oklahoma was a better passer than Anthony Richardson. We thought, didn't we, Bill, that he would crush all the numbers in the combine, that he would run faster, jump higher than uh, than, than all the other quarterbacks? I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, I no, agree. Yeah. No, not at all. But the reality is, Bill, uh, can uh, if, if he's playing Atlanta in the fourth quarter and 
uh, fourth and eight, can he make that throw? And I don't know if he can. Um, well, he doesn't have D.J. Moore to throw to anymore, so that's not no, going to help him. Uh, no, and, and and listen, the reality is, um, I mean, the quarterback that we remember, and, and several people mentioned this, and, and I get it, is their vivid memory of Anthony Richardson is, you remember he threw it in the stands in the <laughs> Vanderbilt game on the last play mm-hmm. instead of a Hail Mary in the end zone, and then he even admitted how badly you played against Florida State when you went 0 for 11 at one point in the game and ended up being 9 of 27 and was asked, what do you need to work on after the Florida State game? And he he frankly said, I'm going to work on whatever made me go 9 of 27. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm sure there are guys in the NFL who think they can fix him and think that they can make him a, quarter, a, a great quarterback. But, Bill, if you – and, again, I hope I'm wrong, but if you can't make the routine throws in college, uh, can you make them on the next level when you've got a shorter window to work with? Well, and at some point you're going to have to look at the film, right? Yes. I mean, you can't yes. – you can look at the film from Indianapolis. You can look at the numbers. You can look at all the athleticism. But at some point you're going to have to look at the film and – like what you just said, some of those red flags have got to cause be a cause for concern, unless it's one of these coaches that has this ego of well, I'll yeah. and Russell's right. just saying it. I'll make him. I'll make him. Cam Newton part two. Yeah, yeah. Look, that for your listeners, one of the things I learned from you early on in our relationship was the tape doesn't lie. That's right. Uh, it it is a. Uh, and I know people work with him at the Combine, and I think he's got some people who've worked with him who've done a good job. But again, uh, uh, the reality of it is there's only so many times he can run. When he runs, is he going to get hurt? Uh, he, he can be a, an effective dual threat, but they want him and envision him being a Lamar Jackson. And, and at this point, I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm not convinced that's who he that's who he's going to be. Hopefully he will. But, Bill, do you do you risk almost the future of your franchise in the short term by drafting him that high? I, I, I know. I know. Let me, let me pause for just a second here, Brent, to let everybody know that Ian Rappaport and others are now – Reporting on Twitter, the Atlanta Falcons are signing former Cincinnati safety Jesse Bates. It is a four-year contract, $64.02 million, $23 million in the first year, and $36 million fully guaranteed. He's one of the best safeties in the NFL, and he's getting paid like that. And that is a huge deal for a safety that is expected to make a big difference for the Falcons and their secondary. So we'll talk more about that in a moment, but that is just broken on Twitter there as the, uh, the free agent market is, is, uh, is of course, breaking today. All right, so um, we're, we're starting to see more teams. Uh, Georgia Tech here today, Georgia tomorrow uh, in the state of Georgia. More teams are, are getting into, into the spring football. Uh, w- what is – been the scuttlebutt, especially there are quarterback battles, there are new offensive coordinators, 
that are implementing their offenses. There's a lot of that going on in the SEC. What have you heard so far in the early stages of spring football? Uh, Georgia, South Carolina start uh, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tennessee, A&M, Ole Miss, and and Alabama start next week. Uh, Bill, uh, can you believe this? Missouri has their spring game this week. Mar- yeah, March 19th, isn't it? I think Saturday. Is that Saturday? And well, now what I've got is the 18th. Okay, 18th. I'm sorry, yeah. 18th, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, but it is. Yes. And they've and they've got are they going to stick with that quarterback or are they going to change up? Well, they got to make a decision uh, on that themselves, don't they? Now, see they uh, um what they've got and that's a good place to start is Brady Cook, right? Uh, who is their uh, number one guy, had labrum surgery. Right. So he's been very limited. You can imagine um, during the um, the spring. Uh, do you remember the Garcia kid at Miami, Bill? Right, yeah. He's there too now as a transfer, yes. right? Yeah, yes. He, he's tra- Jake Garcia right. has transferred there too. Uh, so he's probably getting as much time as anybody – Sam that that Ford. that boy was like in four high schools and now three colleges. He's been all over the place, hasn't he? Uh, and really never took off much at, at Miami. Now Miami's got their own right uh, unsettledness, shall we say, as it is, and they need to get that uh, situated too. They've got another kid, Sam Horn, mm-hmm. uh, who is a good baseball player uh, that is basically splitting time here. Um, Missouri's got Kirby Moore, uh, who is their new offense coordinator. That is Kellen Moore's brother. Wow, yeah. Uh, for folks to know now, he he came from Fresno State, where they did a good job, but we also know, Bill, that's not SEC defenses over there either. <laughs> Uh, it is a reality of it is. No, so, but that family is known for their offense. And Kellen just went from the Cowboys to the Chargers to work with Justin Herbert, and a lot of people are thinking that's their uh, – that that could be perhaps the most impactful coordinator switch in the NFL. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what, what, uh, what Kirby Moore, not the one here at Macon, but Kirby Moore does – doesn't Missouri. All right, uh, any any more out of Auburn? Anything anything new out of Auburn? Um, they pretty much are at this point going with uh, their uh, the, the quarterbacks that that they've had. Robbie uh, and, and look, maybe Hugh can do something uh, with this group of Robbie Ashford uh, and uh, Holden. Uh, Grenier, who a lot of people don't know about, T.J. Finley is still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've got three. You know, the the, the funny thing is it, uh, how many SEC schools not only have a two-guy a two battle but a three-guy battle, uh, frankly. But, look, he, here's your reality at Auburn, and, and Freeze is smart enough to realize this. They've got to rebuild the offensive line. Mm-hmm. They allowed 30 sacks last year, Bill, and they've basically got one guy, Cameron Stutz, who is returning uh, on the line. Uh, so that it's probably that, a good thing, though, isn't it? Maybe a good thing for probably, them. Probably, yeah. If you allow thirty of them, that, that's a good point. They're also trying to build the defensive line too. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, I know people get tired of us saying this, uh, but uh, and I know we we touched on this last week. 
but it, it bears repeating, if you can't block and you can't tackle uh, and you can't rush the opposing passer, uh, Bill, it's a long year for teams who can't do that. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Well, it, it's there's a lot of intrigue, I think, in the SEC with these new coordinators yes. and, and new new quarterbacks and the competitions we're going to have in Athens and Tuscaloosa that, you know, perhaps is going on in Auburn right now. Maybe not. Maybe it's Robbie's Robbie's job. And then you've got Knoxville, right? They're, I mean, they're, they start a week yes. from today, and they're going to have a quarterback competition, I would presume, um, with, uh, with that situation up there. So it'll be interesting to see how that all comes out and uh, fun as we – Continue to get in the middle to late part of March. Brent Beard has been our guest at Brent Beard on Twitter and on television in South Georgia, North Florida on First Coast News, WTLV Channel 12, WJXX Channel 25 out of Jacksonville. Brent, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds great. Again, happy birthday, my friend. Okay, thank you so very much. I appreciate that. We're going to open up the phones now and – let you call in and talk about the Falcons. They have made another move. So they've got a defensive tackle, David Onyemata. Onyemata, one of the two. He's the same person, but maybe different pronunciation. And now Jesse Bates, the safety. We'll talk about that and take your phone calls on that. You can talk basketball or football or basketball, no hockey today on Mondays, 478-646-ESPN. I, I say that because I heard they were talking a lot about the pending Thrashers move in, in Atlanta. NFL free agency going on. They're talking about the damn hockey team coming back. We'll take a break back with your phone calls and more sports talk right after this. All right, so once again, the Falcons' two big moves of the day among numerous They've signed two players, traded for another one, traded for Jonu Smith from New England. He'll play tight end. He had four years with Tennessee under Arthur Smith, so Smith knows his cat. Then they signed two players, David Onyemata, defensive tackle, three years, $35 million, who played for Nielsen, the new defensive coordinator, and was drafted by the front office that included Terry Fontenot. And now, here in the last 15 minutes, they have signed or agreed to a contract with Jesse Bates. The safety from Cincinnati, this is the worst-kept secret in the NFL. He was pictured with a bunch of the Falcons players who were also represented by his agent in Atlanta at dinner about two weeks ago. Bates is a, a really good safety who most believed was the best defensive back on the market. 26 years old, six foot one, 200 pounds, and plays free safety. Many believe now, Russ, that with Bates coming in, that Richie Grant can focus on being a run stopper, and that will help that safety situation tremendously. The Falcons have, of course, A.J. Terrell, on one side, they still have veteran Casey Hayward, who was hurt most of last year on the other. Darren Hall really didn't do well. I think we're going to get another cornerback on this team, whether it's through free agency or the draft. But there is no doubt that when you see that secondary now with Jesse Bates in it, with Grant, with Jalen Hawkins, who played and started all 16 games last year, Eric Harris still around. They may want to bring Isaiah Oliver back. 
A.J. Terrell, of course, much better with Bates now on that roster. Yeah, and, and I like the idea of Hawkins and Grant, you know, sort of competing for that other spot. And I think it, it's going to give you some more flexibility of what you can do in the secondary. Um, so a, a good addition there to bring Bates in. We had D. Orlando on on Friday, and he was saying, you know, this is – they're doing exactly what he said they wanted to do. They wanted to shore up the, the defensive line in the middle – they think that's going to help the outside pass rush, and they, you know, with Ibikidi and Malone and Carter, uh, but they needed some help uh, in the secondary. He did mention James Bates. He also mentioned that in another cover corner, which I don't know if they would do that in free agency or wait till the draft. Um, but the moves they've made on the defensive side today, uh, you know, I feel really good about that. You know, the offense. I, I'm not saying it's a finished product, uh, but. You know, I felt a lot better about that side of the ball at, when the season came to an end than I did the defensive side, mostly because of the lack of pass rush. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the moves that they've made today, while it, they haven't added a quote-unquote pass rusher, they, they've put the pieces around th- that you need to make all that function. I agree, and I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. And it's the line of scrimmage is better with Onyemata, and now the secondary is. We know they've got more help that they – have to go get. They're not finished yet, but we'll see what happens as they as they continue. All right, here we go. Four seven eight six four six three seven seven six. Ken and Macon starts us off. Hey, Killer. I, how you doing? Hey, I'm, I'm listen. Good. I want to tell you something that's coincident with Stinson Bennett Who? and Carson Beck. Both of them got S O N at the end of the name. And guess what? I call my man Carson Beck now. What? The car salesman. When he sells a car. He's going to get another car, so when when he's, uh, when they throw a touchdown, just like just like the mailman delivered, Carson Beck is going to deliver on the car sales and sell another car. I like it. That sounds good. You think you think uh, Kirkland will start saying that at the end of his phone calls? I don't know, but uh, here's what I want to say about Mr. Kirkland. Okay. Don't start this nothing is, now. Listen, Bennett. Stetson Bennett, Stetson. he got my love and everything now. Yeah. But since he had to go through the trouble, all the trouble he did, and, and finally got Jordan for two national championships, and and Carson Beck went through the rigor and everything, playing back of him, even playing behind JT Daniels, that I look at like this. It's only fitting that Carson Beck is, is going to be the – uh, quarterback for Georgia, if he don't make it or if something happens and they don't do him right, guess what, Bill? What? He can go somewhere else. And I'm sorry to tell you, when he does, he's going to beat Georgia and it's going to be that. No, he's not going to beat. Look, 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 look. <laughs> we, don't need to have him, we don't need to have him transferred yet and playing on another roster and beating Georgia yet. He can't beat this defense. Carson's going to be fine. Stat. Son is going to be in the NFL, and everything's going to be fine. I promise you. Believe me. Trust me. Tell you about Stetson Bennett. Stetson. Well, Stetson Bennett. Whatever. Anyway, I want to say this: what? when he goes in the in the, the fact of get him, I want to see a competition between him, Desmond Ritter, and Stetson Bennett to see who wins that job because it'd be awesome. You you and Kirkland just going to throw down if y'all ever meet again in person. He came and saw you at the Wild Wing. If that happens again, we're in trouble, aren't we? That's what it's going to be when, when Mr. Carson Beck 
and Brock Van Griff and and got her. and got a start and get it on in Sanford Stadium the fifteenth of April, baby. All right. I can't wait. I'm going. I can't wait for the G Day game. Can you kill her? Be there too, baby. All right, baby. All right, killer, thank you. Yeah, have a good one. All right. He gets so loud, and then all of a sudden he says goodbye. And he says, hey, y'all have a good one. You know, well, he's, you know, he must be in character. Um, I, he's, but you notice how, like, he's already decided if Carson Beck doesn't win the job, it's somehow George's fault. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they made the they haven't even had the competition yet. It's already <laughs> George's fault. And he's going to go somewhere else and beat the dogs. Oh, Hell with that defense. So he's just skipping right to the NFL. That's, huh? right. That's right. Then he competes against Denson. Pepper and Vienna. How you like your new coach there, Pep? Hey, happy birthday, my friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm I'm like Jack I'm like Jack Benny. I just stay at thirty nine. Have you talked to Skipper today? Yeah, he called and wished me happy birthday. I figured that. How did how does he like the coach? He doesn't like him. I I I think it's gonna be a good hire. You think so? Well, well, I mean, he's I he's a bit. You, you need to have the Bills shine Georgia Bulldogs show because that's all y'all talk. No, about, that's George. not true. Now we talk about you people all the time. Well, just a because bit. because I said earlier, I said that you may not have heard me, but I said, "Damn, I got I got uh, Skipper texting me saying he didn't like the hire." Alex is over here in the studio, and he was shrugging his shoulders. You're the first one to call and say you like him, so I'm glad there's somebody that likes the new head coach. I mean, I don't really know that much about him. I know he played ball and yeah. all that, and, and he did real good at what I've read about him at Pacific. He did good when he coached there. Yeah. And uh, he's been with the Celtics, and so maybe – you know, he can get them boys in Georgia and say, this is the way you get the NBA. Yeah. Know? I'm I, hoping he can recruit like that. He's just got to go to that transfer portal, portal, you know, Pepper, and, yeah. and, and get those players and get the players who are in Georgia and then left and want to come back maybe. But I, I don't think it's a bad hire. We just don't know much about him. And, you know, I I think they just needed to go to somebody new. So we'll see. Oh, me a little bit. Yeah, but I think that Jay Black he had him in mind. Yeah, oh, he had to have that. There's no question. All right, Pepper, I'll tell Skipper you said hey. All right, tell him make sure I do. Tell him to go Jackets. Okay, I'll tell him. Russ, can you get on that real quick for me? Yeah, yeah, I'll say go Jackets so you don't have to. Four seven eight six four. I would have spelled it out, but I ain't saying it. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. That is our number. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk sports as we continue here on The Bill Shank Show.